Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be discussing the Southern Baptist Convention. They are running from the Sex Abuse Task Force report that they paid for and published last year, last May, in fact. And this was a report that they hired a pagan law firm to write and to make moral judgments about what's going on in the church in violation of 1 Corinthians 6. And... They also waived attorney-client privilege at this time when authorizing this report and this investigation and this motion that was made at the Southern Baptist Convention that was very unwise at the time. And now the chickens are coming home to roost because the Sex Abuse Task Force report is being used in court against the Southern Baptist Convention as lawyers try to pilfer their resources, some of them justified obviously, because they have defamed people. There are a lot of issues with the Sex Abuse Task Force report, mainly the defamation, uh, but we can also talk about how they spent, you know, about $2 million to investigate sex abuse and sex abuse cover-ups and found nothing, yet nonetheless, they published a lot of shady evidence. Among them, the allegations against Johnny Hunt are a little bit shady, and most certainly... The allegations against David Sills are very much false and they don't even have, they don't stand on the surface of them because they're trying to claim that a 26 year old woman was a sex abuse victim who was groomed and that's just not going to cut it. That doesn't pass a sniff test and it doesn't, and it's also resulted in a lawsuit that and the Johnny Hunt lawsuit are two of the lawsuits uh, against the Southern Baptist Convention for the defamation and alleged defamation in Johnny Hunt's case because it's possible they are telling the truth. Unlikely, though, because, again, the evidence doesn't really add up. And that's the type of work that the Southern Baptist Convention has paid for, paid millions of dollars for, to a pagan law firm that does not believe in traditional values and supports sexual immorality, thus making them not a credible voice on the issue of sex abuse. They're not credible because of the the sexual immorality that they support. So we're going to talk about the Rollins versus Pressler lawsuit, which is the first time we're going to be talking about this on Evangelical Dark Web, because it's a little bit before my time covering Christian news and Evangelical news. Uh, it's a little more complicated with some of the players involved. This lawsuit is in regards to sex abuse, but it predates any of the sex abuse uh, task force report and all that other stuff. It, I believe, predates the firing of uh, Paige Patterson at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. So this is an old suit, but nonetheless, documents are flying and they, they made some filings that basically point out the fact that the Southern Baptist Convention does not believe that the Sex Abuse Task Force report, or the Guidestone report, was authentic, and they don't believe that it is credible and admissible in court. So that's pretty interesting. So we're going to talk about that. But first, I want to let you know, Evangelical Dark Web Christian News and News Gathering and Commentary Ministry can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. But the least you can do is like this video, subscribe to the channel, to the podcast, if you are new. And also check out our free newsletter that gets you even more content that gets uploaded onto video or podcast. So uh, let's dive into this article that I've 
written. It has the uh, primary source cited, and that is the court filing. And this is the filing by Rollins, which is the plaintiff of this case against the Southern Baptist Convention. So there's around 10 lawsuits going on within the Southern Baptist Convention right now. Rollins versus Pressler case is one of the older high-profile court cases. And the court documents show that the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention does not believe the Guidestone report published last May was factual. So the key words here is inauthoritative and hearsay is the two words that the filing uses to describe the characterization of the report made by the executive committee in their court filings because apparently they don't want the report being admitted as evidence and I wouldn't either because you know it's a bad report but they have you know obvious reasons to not want it admitted as evidence even though it accurately reflects the that the Southern Baptist Convention sentiments towards itself Sentiments, not sentiments. Uh, So let's quote the filing here. Southern Baptist leaders have expressly disclaimed that plaintiff's theory of liability reflects on its internal policies. Plaintiff's has been clear that he seeks to hold SBC and ECSBC, that's executive committee, directly and vicariously liable for their inter alia Their role in Pressler's ongoing sexual abuse, his theory of liability is corroborated in no small part on the Southern Baptist admissions in the Guidepost report. For decades, ECBSBC's leadership has been running the same playbook to avoid any ascending liability based on the rampant sexual abuse that it knew was occurring in its member churches, and it did so on behalf of SBC. See, in that part's not really true because they didn't find any uh much less that made it up to the executive committee because the executive committee was the main focus of the sex abuse task force report they didn't focus on nam they didn't really focus on the seminaries much either they mostly focused on the executive committee and it turns out they didn't really cover a whole lot of issues not even the credentials committee which they created a few years ago uh mishandled many if any cases a lot of these cases were self-resolved before before they even made it to the southern baptist uh convention's executive committee which the executive committee is a convention while the convention's not in session uh think about it like that that's what the executive committee is the guidepost report explains that so this is a quote from the guidepost report for many years a few senior executive Committee leaders, along with outside counsel, largely controlled the EC's response to the report of abuse and uh, were singularly focused on avoiding liability for the SBC to the exclusion of other considerations. That's on page three of the guidepost report. In service, this is another quote, of this goal, survivors and others who reported abuse were ignored, disbelieved, or met with constraints constant refrain that the SBC could take no action due to its polity regarding church autonomy, even if it met convicted molesters continued in ministry with no notice or warning to their current church or congregation. Again, what instance was this? Worse still, the ECSBC maintained a list of 703 accused ministers in Baptist churches 
and actively hid that list for fear of ascending liability, which drove their resistance to stepping in to help with sexual abuse issues. Now, again, this list of ministers was basically Google News headlines. This was not an authoritative list. And it wasn't like a database. It was literally a collection of news headlines that any background check would have snagged. Any sufficient background check would have snagged that. And any church that wasn't willing to do a background check also probably isn't willing to check a database that the SBC creates. This is just, it's a nonsensical. And we've also gone through this list of uh, this the uh, names that they released. And again, they're also being sued for the prejudicial treatment of the people on that list. So this is the end of the uh, block quote section of the guidepost report section. Um, Incredibly, in its plea to the jurisdiction, ECSBC and SBC claims that holding them liable for these actions will directly implicate the church's internal affairs and policies. If they are attempting to make a judicial admission that the playbook laid out in the guidepost report was was officially sanctioned, religiously endorsed policy for handling sexual assault, plaintiff will not object. But that certainly has not been the ECSBC or SBC's position to date. In fact, both the SBC and ECSBC have run from the guidepost report asking this court to exclude it from evidence as inauthentic and hearsay, despite those entities being entirely responsible for its publication. Nor does that position mesh with the Southern Baptist public pronouncements from its leaders. The guidepost report itself was part of a larger reform effort in which the church tried to disown its sordid sorted history with sexual abuse. The Southern Baptist Convention messengers voted to investigate ECBSBC's prior leadership and waived privilege to allow its legal strategies to come to light. See Guidepost Report, and it cites this. And SBC's president, Bart Barber, did an entire 60 Minutes interview with Anderson Cooper in which he demeaned ECSBC's strategy of ignoring sexual abuse within the church and intimidating witnesses. See, uh, and then it cites that interview. ECSBC can specific, has even specifically issued press releases publicly repenting for statements by Augie Bodo, its former general counsel and architect of ECSBC's strategy to avoid ascending liability by ignoring sexual abuse. Simply put, ECSBC and SBC cannot have it both ways. They cannot disown the evidence of their internal handling of sexual assault in public and in this case while simultaneously arguing that any liability for those same actions would violate official religious doctrine and internal policies. So, you know, the SBC is trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're basically trying to jump on the hand grenade of sexual abuse in the church. That's what they're doing because, again, the facts don't add up. The report is a farce. It didn't uncover anything. And very few people called that out. I just got to say, Evangelical Dark Web was one of the few, if not, not, not one of the only, but we were one of the few publications that called out the Guidepost report for the farce that it was before Megan Basham did. 
And even though Megan Basham still called it out last June, nothing against that, you still have the Conservative Baptist Network too cowardly to fight that issue on its face. They are running with, you know, they're, they're doing the same thing that Bart Barber's doing with the Sex Abuse Task Force report that found nothing. They're championing it. In fact, it seems like their strategy for this SBC 23 is to champion it even harder than Bart Barber. So, very pathetic what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention right now. Very few people called it out. I was one of them. Uh, Rosaria Butterfield did back in September, surprisingly, I think. I think it was September. Okay, let's finish up. The Guidepost report is now subject to two defamation lawsuits in addition to being used as evidence against the Southern Baptist Convention in this lawsuit, among others, despite the fact that the Sex Abuse Task Force report concocted by Guidepost Solutions found zero instances of sex abuse or sex abuse cover-up that were previously unknown, the Southern Baptist leaders have willingly maligned their denomination as a hive of sex abuse and sex abuse cover-ups. And we're going to give the hat hat tip to SBC Litigation on Twitter. you got to check them out. They're an excellent account that really saves me a lot of money from having to pay for all these uh, court filings because that's not free. That's not free. So big shout-out to them. Uh, that's really all I got for today. Uh, we're going to have a lot more to talk about with the Southern Baptist Convention because it is Southern Baptist season right here. And don't forget to like this video and subscribe. We'll catch you on the next one. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code program for a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate neutral certified so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin glow from the inside out get 10 percent off your first order with code glow at oseamalibu.com that's o-s-e-a malibu.com code glow